A reading from the book of James. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Morning, everybody. Welcome to Spiritual Adulting. We're studying the book of James, and James is all about a mature faith. So glad you're joining us online. Thank you for tuning in with us today and everybody that's here in the room. If uh, you're new or relatively new, we're a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to know what that means... You can meet me right over there at Grayson 5. I'll try to explain it in less than five minutes. Okay, so last week uh, we talked about this. Uh, faith, our faith prompts us to act. We said it's the duck test. We had ducks flying all over the place last week. I was actually shocked it was in this service. 9.30 service, like, oh, whatever, it's a duck. I don't really care. But the 11 o'clock service, obviously ducks mean a lot to you guys. Uh, because we just gave them all away and people were asking for more. We ran out. Some people were taking two and three ducks. So, all right. So now we know, right? Next time we do that, we'll uh, only have a few for the first service and a bunch for the second service. Mature faith. Mature faith acts. Now, the practical follow-up to, right, a duck, the duck test, walk. You know, if you're a duck, if it walks like a duck, it's a duck. All right, what's the practical follow-up like that? Walk the walk. Talk the talk. So that's what James is so practical. He's like, okay, when you have faith, when you're a person of mature faith, it's going to affect your actions. And then this week, James 3, right, Corey just read it. It's going to affect your tongue. So today we're talking about having a new tongue. Now, these are words either we speak or even words we write, like social media. Maybe things you might write on social media. Any words that come out of your fingers or you type them out or you speak them. James is saying all of our words, our faith profoundly affects the words that come out of our mouth. So it's extremely, extremely practical. So there are so many scriptures about words and about our tongue and things we speak. I mean, I, I can't even, I, there was, I couldn't believe there was that many. So there's a ton. So we're going to go through some today and some I'll just mention here and there. I won't even give you the reference to. But you know what? I was thinking about this. We have a lot like popular sayings they've been around for a long time so I, w I would like to go i would like some audience participation so i'm going to say the f opening of it and then you say the final word right so the, here we go you'll, you'll get the hang of it here's the first one bite your this is very good you guys are great you guys are great here, here's the next one this is a two-part one all right watch your or i'll wash it out with yes good all right read my excellent my lips are Okay, going back to World War II, right? Loose lips. Now, somebody in the first service was in the Navy. You can get this. You don't have to be in the Navy to get this because you are very, very smart because this goes with the loose lips, think ships. All right, let's see if you get it. Ready? 
loose tweets. Do it again. Think. There you go. Somebody up there. Give them a duck. That's fantastic. Loose tweets sink fleets. That's what the Navy says. I'm not in the Navy. My grandfather's in the Navy. But anyway, that's what they're saying in the Navy. James here is describing for us the entire book of James. What's it about? What's the whole book about? It's about mature faith. Whether you want to be a person of mature faith or you consider yourself a person of mature faith, what James tells us is what, what that looks like. On the ground, practically speaking, what does that person look like? How do they, how do they act? How do they speak to it? Next week, we'll talk about how does a person of mature faith lead like? What do they lead like? Okay? That's next week. There's four things. I want to recap this. It's really important because from the four weeks we've been in, this is week five, from the four weeks, here are the four things we've covered that mature faith profoundly affects us. Number one was patience. It affects our patience. Number two, obedience. So if you're a person of mature faith, remember we did this? We said you, you, you got the Word of God, right? You're, if you're a person of mature faith, you're under the Word of God, right? It's not like you're standing over top of the Word and you're leafing through the Word and saying, I like this, I don't like this, ah, no way, I'll pass that. Oh, this is good, I like this. No, the Word stands over top of you and looks down at your life and says, I like this, this needs to change. Okay, this is good, this is great, but nah, that, nah, no more of that. Okay, that's which one is it? Here's the cool thing. Because all of us have an idea in our mind. Oh, yeah, that person, oh, man, that person, they're really into the Bible. They're really, they're mature. Oh, they've been in church all their life. They're a mature faith person. We have ideas in our minds immediately when we think about somebody who has mature faith. But James says for us, here's what a person of mature faith who's really into the Word is like. And what's the first thing he says right after? They're a person's patience and that's obedience. And what happens after they're under the Word? Justice. A person of mature faith immediately wants to create a community of justice and mercy. They're non-discriminatory. That's the, that's the number one reaction. The number one reaction, and we've seen that bear, bear out through history. We can't go through that sermon again, but I think that's fascinating. And then last week is active. Now, here we go. Here goes the tongue. Here's a proverb, eight, Proverbs 18.21 for you. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Is that true? Death and life are in the power. That's power. Death and life. Is that true? What's being told to us here through the Bible and especially through James is our words are powerful. They have a lot of power. Think about this, everybody. When God created life and light, how did he do it? When God created life and light, how did he do it? Did he roll up his sleeves and he said, hey, you know, Gabriel, bring me my uh, hammer and nails? Is that how he did it? He did what? He spoke. Conversely, when Satan wanted to destroy life and light, how did he do it? Did he grab a hold of Adam and Eve and says, come here, I got some fruit, I'm going to jam it in there. No, no, he just spoke. You know, Hitler didn't kill anybody. Hitler spoke a lot of words. And those words influenced people in a terrible way. Our words are powerful. History bears that out, and this is what the Bible says. Two types of people have profoundly impacted your life and mine. Two types of people profoundly impacted your life and mine. People who have helped us, people who have hurt us. People who have helped us, people who have hurt us. And for the most part, they use their words to do both, either help us or hurt us. I'm not saying that's all they did. It could have been other things. But by and large, probably, probably, those people that helped you used words, and those people who hurt you used words. Our words are powerful. Look what Jesus says about words in Matthew 12, 36. He says this, I tell you, 
on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. Whoa. I don't know how that makes you feel, but that really backs me up because I've said a lot of words throughout my life. This is why the psalmist says this in Psalm 141, set a guard over my mouth. Yes, if every careless word, if every, am I going to be held accountable for every word I speak? I need a policeman like right in front of my lips, just guarding it, making sure I don't say something. Set a guard over my mouth. Lord, keep watch over the door of my lips. Now, this is fascinating in James. James chapter 3, verse number 2. We, we started the reading today in verse number 3, but I want to read you James 3, 2. This is absolutely fascinating to me. This is what it says. We all stumble in many ways. I mean, everybody would say, yeah, right? Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect. Now, here's the part. Able to keep their whole body in check. You know what that means to his audience? That means to his audience, which is predominantly a Jewish audience, right? That means to them they can keep their whole life in check. So here's what I'd love for you to actually write down. Fix your tongue, fix your life. Fix your tongue, fix your life. This is what James is saying. That if I begin to fix my tongue, I get control of my, I can get over control of my whole body. If I fix my tongue, I can begin to fix my life. Some of you know, it's not you, it's never you, but there's somebody you know. You're like, yes, I see that. Yes, if they would just fix their tongue, they could fix all kinds of problems with their life. Fix your tongue, fix your life. If we'll hold it, if we'll bite it, if we'll keep it in check, it affects every, that's how powerful, that's how important death and life are in the power of the tongue. Now, he says in James 3, Jesus, we all stumble in many ways. And most people are like, yeah, amen. Look, hey, come on, take easy, easy on me. I stumble. I'm not perfect. I stumble in many ways. All right, so we'd all say yes. But what's very interesting, he says, what's the first way you stumble? He immediately begins to talk about the tongue. So the tongue is very, very important. James says, how do we stumble? Well, the first way we usually stumble, according to James, is we stumble with our tongue. So I'm going to talk about three things here this morning, okay? First one is this, three powerful ways. They all begin with the letter I. It's the power to influence. Our tongue's influence have a tremendous amount of influence. So he says, he says there's, a, there's a bit in the horse's mouth. It's so small, but the bit is very influential. Then there's the rudder on the ship, and it's so small. It got a huge ship, but it steers it. It pilots it. It guides it where it's to go. It's small, but it's very, very powerful, right, compared to the large ship. Are our words steering people towards life or death? Do we use our words to steer people towards life or death? When we speak or we write or the stuff we do on social media, are those words that come out of us steering people towards life or death? This is what James wants us to consider. And then he says, there's powerful forces coming against our tongue. There's powerful. He says, you know, the ship, you got the wind and the waves. You got the power of that. Like, so your tongue is trying to produce life. If you have faith, the faith inside of you, the tongue wants to say, yes, life. But there's powerful forces of the wind and waves that say, no, let's do death. Let's speak things that aren't praises. Let's speak things that are curses. That's the power of it, right? The bit in the horse's mouth. So a number of years ago, well, when I was a teen, I'll start back when I was a teen. I, uh, I, I've never, it's not like I've ridden a lot of horses, okay? Uh, I'm not a cowboy. I'm against the cowboys, actually, just in case. If you're, just to be clear, if you're new to grace. We know what kind of church we are, okay? All right. <clears throat> so I haven't ridden a lot of horses, but I've ridden some horses, you know, from time to time. So when I was a teenager, you know, we'd go on these rides with a bunch of teens. There'd always be like 30 or 40 of us, and, right? And the horse, I felt so bad for the horses. 
I mean, the horses, like, they, they look like they were ready to, you know, send them out to pasture. They're so old. I felt bad, like, getting on the back of the horse, like, ah, am I hurting you? Because the horses were just, their time had come and gone. And then when you start the walk, it's like nothing you did to the tor- horse made a difference. The horses knew what they were supposed to do. I mean, you could do anything. <laughs> it's just like, hey, forget it, buddy. <laughs> I'm doing it, right? And they're just very slowly moseying along. And the guy who's guiding us, usually two people guiding you, there's a troop of 30 people, and you're all in a straight line, and they don't let you do anything, okay? That's, that's the way it is. Well, about four or five years ago, the family, we have two kids, my wife, two kids, the four of us, we go out to Berryville, Virginia. And we go horseback riding. And I mean, this was nothing like I'd ever experienced in my life. These horses were young. There was no rules. I mean, the guy took us out there. There's no straight line. He's like, go for it, you know? And my horse, oh, just, I mean, I'm like, whoa, you know, just flying. The horse is jumping over trees. I'm seeing like logs that, boom, going on. <laughs> this is, I'm like, where was this horse when I was a teenager? I mean, now I'm old. I got a bad back. I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm looking over at Chris. I'm yelling at the guy. Is this legal? Have you ever seen a lawyer out here? I mean, this can't be right. This can't be right. He's like, pull back on the rain. Pull back. So you got that little tiny bit, the big, powerful horse. But, you know, before on the old horses, you're like, mm, mm, nothing. This guy, whoosh. Okay. The little bit. And that horse's mouth is powerful. It's small. That's your tongue. There's powerful forces coming against it to get it to speak words of death, not life. But your words that you speak influence other people. It steers. It steers, and it steers you. So I, I would like to start with this. Think about this, right? Think about the words that you speak first and foremost to yourself. Are you speaking words of life or death to yourself? How do you speak? Ah, oh, I'm a loser. I'm stupid. I'm what? Whatever it is, you speak to yourself. You shouldn't do that. James says your faith inside you should stop that. Your faith inside you is a powerful force and should begin to speak life, praising, not cursing, out of your own tongue towards yourself. So cut that out. A person of faith, a person who is acting and talking on their faith won't do that. And then they won't do it to other people. You won't do all the name-calling stuff. You won't, you won't get into that. Right? You'll speak words of praise out of your mouth. So that's the first thing. It's a power to influence. Second thing is the power to ignite. He talks about a fire here. He also talks about animals. We'll get into that. But there's a fire a, to ignite. One spark, he says, can set a mighty fire. Now, look, it's, it's, a, sad, it's a sad case. But look at California this week. It is so sad. The devastation that's going on out there. I think I saw a news report earlier this morning. Over 40 people have now died. You, you think about a spark. Now, James is writing in the middle of a desert. And, you know, California, it's very dry out there. I, maybe some of you probably saw this story. I just read it yesterday afternoon about the couple. They've been married, I think, like 55 years. And here comes the flames. And so they just jumped in their pool in their backyard. And the husband made it, but the wife with the smoke, and she died right in his, right in his arms. Very sad. Devastation. Now, everybody, think about it. One poorly spoken word can cause a fire in our homes, in our lives, in our places of work, in our community, and it might take... I mean, these, these, the, the ground out in California is going to take like a decade to recover from this terrible fire. Forests take decades to recover after a terrible fire. Think about situations where people have spoken at very poorly spoken word and then for, for years a family. We had a situation, uh, it happened a number of years ago, we were hosting a birthday party for somebody and a lot of other people were involved in helping us plan this whole thing. So there was a lot of 
cooks in the kitchen. You, get me? you know what I'm saying? There's a lot of cooks in the kitchen. And so some person was there. They were trying to be very, very helpful, okay? And so we had limited counter space, and we had this huge cake box, like all cardboard cake box, and we needed to get rid of the cake box, and they didn't say anything to us. Without saying anything to us, they just took it and stuck it in our oven. Okay, so there it is in the oven, and then we didn't know it. So, it a, so later on that night, we had to prepare for another event going on the next day, and so boom, we hit the button on the oven, cook, I think we on broil or something like that, right? And within seconds, whoosh, flames are leaping out. The smoke from that cardboard was incredible. Now think about this. For weeks, we dealt with that lingering smoke that was all over. How often does that happen in our lives? How often are we dealing with somebody speaks a word, you speak a word, somebody else speaks a word, and then for weeks, weeks, we're kind of walking around, walking around, lingering with the smell and what has happened. It affects us. It affects our homes, and that should not be so. I think about my kids all the time with this. You know, we speak words to our kids. We get impatient or we get frustrated or whatever. Those words catch in our kids' hearts. They remember stuff like that. We have to be very, very careful the words we speak. And if we have caused a problem, we've done something, we need to go and make amends for that. That's what our faith prompts us to do. James says, our tongues are, what does this mean? Our tongues are set on fire by hell. What does that mean, James? You know what it means? It means that hell, evil, the forces, the powerful forces working in this world are looking for an opportunity to use our tongues to hurt somebody, to devastate somebody, to bring death and not life. We need to bring life. Our faith, if we're people of strong faith, which is what James is all about, it prompts us to speak words of life, not death, to lift up, to mend, and to heal. Now, he talks about animals. Uh, we're not so much into circuses anymore, right? That's, that's not the thing. But many years ago when I was a kid, all right, we were. So... I'd been to circuses, and we've got tigers jumping, jumping through hoops. Does anybody remember the tigers jumping through hoops? Okay. And bears riding bicycles. Anybody remember? We get elephants to do stuff like this. Here's the thing. He says, you know, we've learned to tame all kinds of animals. Here's the question. Would you set an untamed tiger loose in your home? Would you set an untamed bear loose in your home? Of course you wouldn't. But how many of us, this tiger and this bear inside of our mouths, do we set it loose? We set it loose at home. We set it loose at work. Do you know anybody? It's not you. And if you're sitting next to the person, don't look at them or don't nod your head or don't do one of these things, but think about it. We do that and people are hurt and devil. We would never set a tiger or a bear loose, but we set this loose all the time in our home. So influence, ignite, and the third one is the power to inspire. He talks about water. He talks about fruit. He says, you know, you got, you got a fig tree and it should, it should bear figs, right? You have a grapevine and it should have grapes. But then he says, but the tongue, so that's the natural thing they do, but the tongue has both praises and curses, two opposite things. And he said, that's going against nature, Nature is, is that, you know, it should be praise or it should be cursing. If you're a person of faith, well, then it's definitely got to be things of praise. It's got to be definitely things of life. That's what needs to come out of, of your tongue. That's what's there. Now, again, this is written in a desert. So water in a desert is a really big deal. Fruit in a desert is a big thing too. But water, water is like life. Like, oh, my gosh. We spent some time in, in Israel a couple years ago, and you dehydrate really, really quickly over there. 
And when you finally get to work, oh, yes, I'm going to make it another hour, you know, because I'm so dehydrated here, okay? It's life. It inspires us. It helps us to live. Consider these words, Proverbs 10, 11. Our words should be a fountain of life. Now, here's the question. Do you feel like your words are fountains of life? Hey, when you... When you have an image of yourself in your words and you close your eyes, do you see a fountain of life just springing up out of you? Which fountain is it? Is it a fountain of life or is it a fountain of something else? The Bible says that our words should be like a fountain of life. In a person of mature faith, their words are prompted to be words of life, not death, not criticism, not name-calling, not gossip, not negativity. In Ezekiel 47, it's a fascinating chapter. It talks about a river, a river of life actually. And it says, everywhere this river flows, wherever the water touches, everything is healed. That's the way our words should be. Our words should bring healing and life and light to other people. This is what a person of mature faith does. Influence, ignite, right, and inspire other people. Now, hopefully you received one of these business cards on your way. And I'd like you to put your beautiful little fingers on that right now. Could you do that? Wonderful. So here's what this business card says. Proverbs 18.21. It's the scripture we started off with today. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Choose life. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Choose life. Here's my challenge to you. I have a challenge for you this week. Is anybody up for the challenge? Any, any takers? One guy right there, Peter, is up for the challenge. Excellent. Peter, let's talk to you. Peter, what I would like you to do. What I'd like everybody to do is take this business card. This is going to be tough. I'd like you to put it in a prominent place. Probably your, probably your mirror because it's probably one of the first places you look in the world. I don't know where that is for you, but I mean somewhere. Somewhere that, that you start your day, one of the first things you see is these words. And for one week, choose life with your words. For one week, for one week, choose life with your words. Put this in a prominent place and try that and see if that does not profoundly affect you. See if it does, actually, if it doesn't increase your faith by choosing life with your words. Don't criticize this week. Don't be defensive. I can be really defensive. Somebody says something, I can be really defensive. Don't be defensive, right? Don't be negative. Don't name call. Don't gossip. If you need to apologize for something, let those words come out of your mouth. Bring healing. Apologize. Own up to something. Say, I'm sorry, Use your words to bring healing and life to people and their life. Start your day, start your day, everybody, by consecrating your tongue. Consecrate it. Now, what does that mean, to consecrate your tongue? Well, it means that you're setting your tongue apart for the things of God. It means you're a person of faith, and your faith is prompting you to not just walk the walk, but talk the talk. Romans chapter 12 says, you know what, we ought to offer our bodies as living sacrifices. Well, let's just forget about the body for a second. Let's just focus on the tongue because the body might be too much to handle, okay? Can't we just do the tongue? God, this tongue is yours. Start your day this way. Start your day this way. God, this tongue is yours. Today, I would like to speak the words that you want me to speak today. Let's take this challenge. Let's see what God might do in our lives and in our faith if we take this challenge. Isaiah chapter 6, a very interesting uh, chapter in the Bible, Isaiah 6. Here you have this prophet, Isaiah, and he has this vision of God. God's calling him to speak for him. And he has a vision and he realizes that he's a person, he says, is of unclean lips. He says, I have unclean lips. I have un and God says, you know what? I have a solution for your unclean lips. I have a solution. What we're going to do is you take a coal, 
from the altar, and we're going to touch it to your lips, and we're going to purify your lips. And so here's the thing. You start your day. Start your day by praying. You know, God, help me today that my words would be what you want them to be. Help me to be a fountain of life with my words. Help me to speak life. Help me to be a blessing. Help me to speak words that are in keeping with my faith. This is what James would call. Prayer is powerful. Start your day by thinking about the words you're going to speak, praying about the words you're going to speak, and do that. Start your day that way. Now, I know we, we have some Nats fans in the house, don't we? Anybody? Anybody in the Nats? Okay. Wednesday was a great day. Thursday was not so much. Did you see uh, after the game on Wednesday when Michael A. hit that Grand Slam home run? Did you see that? Did anybody see that? Hit that Grand Slam and we just crushed the Cubs that night? Anybody? Okay, it was a beautiful night. It was a beautiful night. So they interviewed him on ESPN after. Some of you saw this. They interviewed him on ESPN after. They said, were you scared? when you? He said, oh, yeah, I was nervous. What did you do? What did he say? I prayed. I prayed. Prayer is powerful. You might hit a grand slam this week, okay? <laughs> now, the bad news is the people in Chicago heard that too, and they're like, oh, okay, now we understand. And they did a little more praying than we did praying uh, Thursday. And things just like went all terrible and the devil got control. And it was, just, it was really, really bad. Okay, so, so we, we God, okay, I want you to touch my tongue, purify my tongue, help me. And, you know, but here's the thing. We might say, well, I asked God and, you know, all this stuff still keeps coming out, but I asked God, so he's not doing anything. Here's the thing. You can participate in the answer to your own prayers. And this is, I want you, please, participate in this because James Jesus says these look, Jesus says these famous words out of the abundance of the what heart the mouth speaks okay okay and James who draws on Jesus more than any other book in the New Testament right he's in total total agreement with that and he says yes it flows James it flows out of the heart and James also says what flows in affects your heart so the flow is going both ways so God, help me, touch my heart, purify me. Now I get control of my tongue and I start speaking those words and it begins to affect my heart. So my heart affects my tongue and my tongue affects my heart. James says it goes both ways, flow in, flow out. So this is what I say. You can participate in this by saying, you know what, that's it. I'm gonna get control of my tongue and I'm gonna start speaking. I might not want to. I might not wanna speak it. I might wanna be really negative. I might wanna, mm. But want to has no part in the equation here, right? Who cares about want to? What we want to do instead is begin to speak the words because they'll begin to go down into our heart and begin to affect our lives. There's the challenge this week. Change your heart by changing your tongue. Change your heart by changing your tongue. Increase your faith by changing your tongue. Now, three things in conclusion. I would like you to prayerfully consider as you're praying about this. As you're taking this challenge this week, three things all begin with the letter T. Prayerfully consider your timing, your tone, and your trajectory. Your timing, your tone, and your trajectory. So every now and then, Krista and I, my wonderful, beautiful, gracious wife, we have issues, okay? And she'll say this to me all the time. It's your tone. It's your tone. Wait, there's nothing wrong with my tone. What do you mean my tone? My tone is perfectly fine. It's your tone. It's your tone, man. Change your tone. I want you to really, really, really consider maybe you're sitting next to somebody and they're like, yes, okay? Or if they were sitting next to you, they would say, yes, it's your tone. I want you to think about your tone. There's the first T, tone, 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 tone. God, help me with my tone. Number two, timing. This past week, I had a really, really great thought. 
and I shared it at a really, really bad time, and everything went south. You know what I'm talking about. There is a timing to things. Be careful with your... God, help me with my timing, okay? My tone and my timing. There's trajectory. What's that? What's trajectory? Well, when we get into these situations with our words with other people, the trajectory of them is sometimes we're like, can I lift up? Or we're looking at how can I tear down? Can I lift up or can I destroy? Am I looking to reconcile or am I looking to win in argument? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay. Timing, tone, and trajectory. Here's three scriptures, and we're going to end with these. This is great. Ephesians 4.15, speaking the truth in love. Yes, we need to do that. Then look what it says. We will, we will grow to become in every respect the what? There's our word, the mature body of him. You want to you wanna mature? Speak the truth in love. Now, here's the thing. Um, speaking the truth in love, being a person who uses the words that faith is prompting you to use does not mean, does not mean that you avoid problems. So, John, are you saying that I ought to just let everything go? No, no, I'm not. Actually, that's not loving or truthful to do. If you have a situation and you're not dealing with it, it's not loving or truthful to ignore it. What is both loving and truthful is to deal with issues straight on, to not ignore them, but to do them in a truthful and a loving way. It affects how you speak. Do you know what I'm saying? You know when you're after it, like I said with trajectory a minute ago, when you're after it because you just, ah, you want to, ah, I'm dealing with it, John, ah, right? Truth and love, truth and love. Deal with it head on. Look at this, Proverbs 16, 24. Gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. If you were to ask a family member or a friend today, or do my words remind you of honey? How would they respond? How would they respond? So maybe if some of you are really brave, you could just lean over right now and say, what do you think about that to the person sitting next to you? How would they respond? Are they honey? Are they gracious? Is that, because this is the way. Our faith, particularly people of mature faith, people who want to grow in their faith, their words are honey. Their words are life. Their words bring healing, like the river of life in Ezekiel 47. Here's the last one, Proverbs 25, 15. This is very interesting, and this is why we'll end on this one. It's fascinating to me. A gentle tongue can break a bone. What in the world does that mean? Are you using your tongue to break bones? A gentle tongue to, can break a bone. What does that mean? Well, this is, what the, this is what the proverb means. It means that if you're in a hard situation like a bone, you're in a tough situation, what, what is the normal human reaction when you're in a tough situation? Power up. I mean, you're in conflict with somebody in your neighborhood. You're in conflict with somebody at work. You're in conflict with somebody in your home, out in traffic, over social media. What do you want to do? Not that a lot of bad stuff are happening on social media. Not that. But what if it did happen to happen? What's the natural response? Power up. Win. Get strong. And what the proverb says is if instead you'll turn your tongue because of your faith, and you'll get gentle with your tongue. It will break even the hardest situation. Do you have enough faith to believe that? I'll tell you something that happened to me um, very early on in, 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 in my ministry, actually. As a young guy, I'm at a church, and the minister there was much older than me. And some stuff really went wrong in the church. There was some things that took place. Uh, and it was bad. It was really bad. 
And I was on the right side of it. And I don't mean, I know I'm biased. But history bore out that I was right. So I had righteousness on my side, okay? I had been wronged, so I had justice on my side. And I was angry, which meant I had pride on my side. So it was all on my side. And we had a conversation one day on the phone. And man, I just, I let him have it. It was just too much. Clearly, clearly, clearly wrong. My tone, woo. My timing was spot on. My tone wasn't. <laughs> my trajectory, no. Phew. All right, tone, trajectory, down. Timing's great, okay? And I got done, and oh, man, I was just, oh, I was just, I was, you know what I'm saying? Do you, does anybody want to talk? Can you feel this? I walked around the room, and my wonderful wife came and joined me, doing laps around the room, and she said, hey, are you sure this is what God wants you to do? Are you okay with this? So I didn't want to, but I picked that phone back up, and I called him, and I said, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that that way. And I asked for forgiveness. And the conversation went on. Now, here's what I didn't expect. God ended up blessing me in an unexpected way because I chose a gentle word. Totally unexpected. I wasn't expecting that. But God blessed me in a way that I could have never expected because of a gentle word. I'm wondering how many people in this room, how many people watching online, that right now, you don't want to. You don't want to. But if you used a gentle word, would God bless you in some unexpected way because your faith was so strong that you trusted God at his word? And instead of speaking death, you spoke life. Instead of speaking a curse, you spoke a praise, right? What if we did that? What would God do? We have no idea. We have no idea. But I want to challenge you all week. Choose life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for all the wonderful people in this room. Thank you for all the wonderful people watching online and all the plans that you have for us to bless us and to prosper us and to give us a hope, Lord, if we will just take you at your word, if we'll have faith, God, if we'll speak words of life, if we'll choose words of life. Lord, as we take this challenge this week, Lord, help us to do so. Help us to think through our words consecrate our tongues and help us, Lord, to speak those words that they would go down into our heart and change our hearts for you. In Christ's holy name, everybody said, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Grace Community Church, a church for people who don't go to church, meets on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. in Arlington, Virginia. Connect with us anytime at trygrace.org.